name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So when Christ says no one can plunder the goods of a person until he first enters that strong man's house, and then he can enter and plunder his goods. We have to ask ourselves, when, when he says that you first have to enter and bind this strong man, that you first have to enter that, that, that person's house and like restrain him, what does that actually mean? How can we apply this? Like whenever you think of binding a strong man, how do you bind something? Like, is he talking about getting some rope and like binding the person or handcuffing him? Or is it like a, like a special way to restrain the strong man? Now, if you... If you want to answer that question, you first have to ask who this strong man is. You first have to understand who it is that you're trying to bind, right? So the first question we have to ask is, who is this strong man that we're trying to bind? And then once we get an idea, then we can talk about how we can bind the strong man. So let's look at the context because... Right before this specific uh, scenario happens, we see that it kind of gives us an idea of what Christ is talking about. So we know that they are accusing him of casting out Satan by Beelzebub. Like they're saying that you have a demon and you're casting out Satan by his own power. Right? So Satan is a topic of discussion. And he goes to tell them that no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless you first bind the strong man and then you can enter his house and bind and, and plunder his good. So he's referring to Satan whenever he's talking about this strong man, okay? So I don't know about you, but like back in the day when I would play video games, um, I would, you know, always like get to the end of a level and typically there's there's a boss that you have to beat at the end of the level and each boss has like a unique um, a, a unique like set of strengths and weaknesses and like how to attack him is a little bit different and the way to beat that boss is to identify the weakness of that boss like, especially if it's like a shooting game, like you have to shoot them at a certain part or else you can't beat the boss. So when you look at the devil and you see how he was defeated, like what was his weak point that destroyed him? We have to look at what Christ did to destroy him. Okay, and the answer is very clear. We know that Satan was defeated by the cross. Uh, you know that the refrain in Pascha, we say, who was crucified on the cross and trampled Satan under our feet. So it reminds us that Satan was trampled, was crushed by the cross. And this was the very first prophecy from Genesis whenever God tells the woman that... Um, you know, like she will give birth to the seed from her seed. 
um, and and he tells the devil that this seed will crush his head. Like you will bruise his heel, but from this seed, your head will be crushed. Okay, so that's what will ultimately debilitate the devil. That's what will cripple the devil. That's what will bind him. It's almost like that silver bullet. I don't know if silver bullets are for werewolves or for vampires. I think it's vampires, but you know, it's like that one thing, the only thing that can kill that person. Okay, so the only thing that killed the devil or bind him, would, would, would bound the devil, is that the, the life-giving sacrifice of Christ, okay? Now, if you identify what that event or action is really all about, you see at the very core of his life-giving death is love and humility, right? Satan was bound by an act of love, by a self-emptying act. It was the humility of God, the condescension of God that bound Satan. And that's why you even see in Revelations, when the beast comes out, that there's a slain lamb. And this is ultimately the lamb that defeats Satan. And this slain lamb, it goes to show that somebody's wounded. It's not like we have someone coming in with like machine guns or like a, a, a big weapon to defeat this enemy. But it's the exact opposite. You see a sense of humility, something that even seems weak, something that seems um, counter, counterintuitive. Like how can the death of someone give life? Or like how can this humility that seems so weak, be an act of strength, all right? There was a time when Satan appeared to St. Macarius and he told him, look, what is it about you that makes you different from us and gives you strength and like, allows you to always defeat us? Like, we, we don't understand how... You, you, you always manage to do that. You know, you fast and pray. You eat very little. But we don't even eat at all. Like, we're constantly fasting. You sleep very little, and you have prostrations, and you crucify your body. But we don't sleep at all. Like, we are constantly on the move we're constantly working you know the bible very well but we have the scriptures memorized from top to bottom so what is it about you that gives you the strength to defeat us or makes you so different from us and saint Macarius responded and said the only thing you can't imitate is humility it's this self-emptying love. It's to be unselfish. And that's why Satan was defeated. Because of the self-emptying love, self-emptying act of sacrifice from Christ. Okay? So, we have to think of this rope that binds Satan. Like, we're going to come or, and 
handcuff this strong man, it's like a rope of humility. It's a rope of love. So in as much as love increases, the power to bind Satan increases. And this isn't something theoretical. Like uh, I'm not talking about like, defeating the person himself. That's what Christ did. But all of the temptations that Satan brings, all of the, the troubling thoughts, all of the, the struggles that may take us away from God, all the distractions, um, the thought to judge people, the thought to gossip, the thought to um, be lazy, the thought to, to think of myself better than other people, okay? So the more I, I get like bombarded with these troubling thoughts, the more I need that love and that humility, which will ultimately defeat all of these attacks that come against me from Satan, okay? There's a, there's a line from the hymn, Omono Genis, Only Begotten Son. It's one of my all-time favorite hymns. We've only seen it once in one season in Holy Week and Good Friday. There's a line that says, Holy Mighty, who by weakness showed forth that which is greater than strength. Think about that. Who by weakness showed that which is greater than strength. Not just by um, a mighty weapon or, no, by weakness. That weakness which seemed to be a stumbling block for the Greeks and foolishness for the Gentiles is exactly what bound Satan. So, if we apply this very same concept, then we have to say it's whenever we turn the other cheek and it seems weak, whenever we forgive and forget and that seems very weak, whenever we don't retaliate, and, and those are things that the world will come and say, that seems very weak. You know, whenever you, you resist always trying to take matters into your hands and actually pray faithfully, and the world might look at you and say, like, that's nonsense. You just don't want to do about it. All you're doing is praying. That's a very weak approach. It's a very passive approach. But that's essentially what our strength is all about. It's, it's in love and it's in humility. And the more we love the more we empty ourselves of our pride, our ego, the more humility we have, the more we crush every attack that Satan throws at us. St. Anthony was troubled one time when he was looking at all of the, the traps that Satan was setting in front of him in the spiritual life. And he saw so many pitfalls, like so many, like, troubling um, possibilities where, you know, he could fall here, he could fall there. He's, like, worried about it. So he asked God, like, how, how can I possibly manage? How can I navigate to the spiritual life whenever there are so many traps everywhere? There's a temptation or a distraction or there's a possibility of falling. How can I navigate through this? And he heard a voice telling him, 
one word, humility. So it's by humility that we conquer. It's by humility that we defeat Satan and by humility that we grow in the spiritual life. St. John Climacus even said, if by pride alone, Satan, an angel, an angel fell from heaven, then we must wonder if by nothing but humility alone, a man can rise to heaven. It was nothing but pride that caused the fall of the greatest angel. Okay? And so he says, it's possible that by nothing but humility alone that we can rise to heaven. And that's because humility is where we, we empty ourselves of our own strength, our own opinions, our own mindset, and to say, God, I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to cling to you. And it's easy whenever we realize our poverty, we realize that we are nothing and that God is everything. It's almost like somebody who's drowning. Is it, is it tough to, to reach out to a life vest when you're drowning? <laughs> if, it's, if it's within reach, are you going to have trouble reaching out you're drowning? Or is it, is it a big deal to yell for help when you're drowning? That's the very first thing you do, right? It would be hard not to cry out for help. But when we realize that we are drowning in our weaknesses, in our sins, in our hypocrisy, in our pride, like our pride that prevents us from truly serving, our pride that present, prevents us from praying and giving our whole life to God, our, our pride that prevents us from being unselfish. Once we realize that that pride is crippling us and preventing us from progressing, then it's easy to say, God, only you can be my strength. Only you can support me. Only you can provide the fuel that I need. Only you can solve this problem. Now, if we really want to attain this virtue, just like we said, it's necessary, it's critical. Without it, we cannot defeat Satan. If we really want to attain it, then we have to present our poverty to God and admit that. And then we hold on to him, who's our greater strength. There was a monk that was famous for, for seeing a lot of visions. And God gave him the grace to see like, the mysteries of heaven and so forth. And so some of the disciples I heard about this were very um, interested in, in having the same sort of experiences. So... They, uh, they went to this monk and they told him, like, you know, we want to reach this level of, of purity and, like, you know, 
how, how did you manage to see such wonderful visions and mysteries of heaven? So he told them, my sons, I've only prayed for one thing, and that's to see my sins. That's to see my sins. If you think of the, the extent of our sinfulness and how many weaknesses we have, the list is endless. But when that's in front of us, we, we have no choice but to depend on God. Because we see that we are truly poor. We don't have any, any strength on our own. If we want to just skip steps and reach this level of purity of praying like St. Peshoy and seeing visions and having unceasing prayers without truly having the, the foundation of, of setting aside our own needs, then we, we fool ourselves. Remember the story when this monk that was progressing in his spiritual life was reaching such high level of prayer and purity and holiness so an angel appeared to him and told him, God has seen the extent of your, your commitment, your resolution, your dedication to fight. And he sent me to you to reveal to you more heavenly mysteries and, and to show you visions of heaven because you've reached such a high level of holiness. So the monk looked at him and said, I think you have the wrong self. <laughs> he knew that there's no way he could be talking about him because his sinfulness was a constant reality. He didn't pretend to be someone better than he is. A lot of times we think that humility is walking around with our head down and saying, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I did this. And like, a depressed sort of like we 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 fool ourselves and we pretend that we're lower than we are but if we know the truth the reality is we are nothing without god okay i want to leave you with the story of saint james and if you're paying attention in the cynics are, it was such a powerful reminder of what true humility produces. Remember that he was born in a Christian house. He started to, to shepherd some sheep as he was uh, like mentored by a Christian shepherd. And then he heard that an emperor was preventing Christians from practicing their faith. And so he told his parents that he wants to go and confess his faith. Once they got there, he saw that a man, his name was St. Justice, who was a son of an emperor, who denied himself 
even greater riches, was there confessing his faith and being tortured. And so his mentor told him, he told James, look at this. We're, we're shepherds. We don't have anything to, to give up. We don't have anything to set aside. You know, we come to God with nothing. This man was like a millionaire. This man was the son of an emperor. He's got servants and wealth he can't even imagine. He gave all of that up and traded his possessions for torture because of his love for Christ, because he emptied himself. He said, this life is not about me. And in doing so, he offered himself as a living sacrifice. Now, as soon as St. James saw this, he was convicted. He said, how can I do anything less than that? If this man who was up here that had everything, gave it all up, I have very little, right? It is not much for me to give up. Whatever I have left of my life, here it is. And God isn't asking us to go to an emperor and to let go of our possessions and offer to him our lives, our our homes, our car, this and that. That's not what God's asking us to do. We can do that in a real practical sense. Whenever we set aside our own comfort, whenever we set aside our own needs and to serve, to love, whenever we... We set aside our egos. You know, anytime somebody offends us and we want to tell them (laughs) what's really on our mind. You know, we want to fight fire with fire sometimes. But if we have love, if we have humility, then we can set aside what our ego is probing us to do and we can commit to God with love and humility. We can serve our neighbors. We can give to anyone who asks us without reservation, we can turn the other cheek. If anyone sues us for our cloak, we'll give him our tunic. If anyone forces us to go one mile, we'll go two. Because of that humility. Once humility is there, Satan is rendered useless, powerless, ineffective, and nothing can prevent us from progressing along the spiritual life. I pray that God fills our heart with this spirit of humility, which is the greatest strength that we have. This loving sacrifice that we saw modeled for us on the cross, that we may follow in the footsteps of Christ and glorify him unto whom unto him is due all glory forever and ever. Amen.